the Bible Study Podcast, episode 724. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of the book of 2 Corinthians with chapter 9. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. We continue on with chapter 9 today, and chapter 9 is a continuation of some of the thoughts of chapter 8. In fact, it really is, in some sense, the same conversation that is carried over and just whoever came in and put in the chapter markers after Paul wrote this, put it in the middle of his thought. And so he was talking, you may recall, he's gathering up an offering for the Lord's people, especially for the people in Jerusalem that are going through a difficult time. As I recall, it was a time of famine. And so they're raising a collection to help support them. And he talked about that in chapter 8 and was encouraging them to be generous and knew that they would be, and it continues that thought here. Chapter 9. There is no need for me to write you about this service to the Lord's people, for I know your eagerness to help. And I have been boasting about it to the Macedonians, telling them that since last year you and Achaia were ready to give, and your enthusiasm has stirred most of them to action. But I am sending the brothers in order that our boasting about you in this matter should not prove hollow, but that you may be ready, as I said you would be. For if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to say anything about you, would be ashamed of having been so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangements for the generous gift you had promised. Then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. And this section brings up a couple different themes from last week. And one thing that's new and the information that to me seems new, I don't remember whether we read it last week, is that they have already agreed that this is a work that they want to support. And so the themes from last week that they get in the habit of giving, that they put away a little money each week or each month or whatever, that they don't just wait till the end when he's ready to take the money to Jerusalem to reach in their pockets and find out what they have, especially since pockets weren't invented yet in togas or whatever they're wearing, but that they get in the habit of giving regularly so that one would assume by this time the money has already been collected and all they need to do is show up and then take it to Jerusalem. And again, that brings up this habit of giving, that there are advantages if we have an intention of giving, as the Corinthians did here, to get in the habit of giving. It's going to be easier to give a little bit each week or each month than wait to the end of the year, for instance, for us and say, oh, I wanted to give, you know, say 10%, and now I'm going to try and find 10% right after I just bought Christmas presents and all those things. It's just an easier habit to get into, and habits also have a way of declaring who we are. And he's going to get into that, but the idea is that if you read, for instance, the book uh, Atomic Habits, great book about habit forming, and one of the things that he talks about is that what you do on a regular basis is more of a definition of who you are than what you say you are. Okay, What you do is more of a reflection of who you are than what you say you are. And Paul is saying something similar here is if you want to be generous givers, generous givers give. It's kind of like waking up in the morning and saying, not just do I feel like working out, do I feel like going for a bike ride in my case, but what kind of person am I? I'm someone who is 
a bike rider. I'm someone who does exercise. I'm someone who is this person and then letting my actions match who I think I am or who I want to be. And so Paul is saying, you you said you were going to give, hopefully you've gotten in this habit of giving, and now we're ready to come and take the money and go off to Jerusalem and let it be put to good use. The other theme from last week that we get is Paul boasting about them. And it fits into that. He's saying, you said you were going to give. We mentioned it, the Macedonians. They were moved by this. Now they're going to give more. And so I've been boasting about you. Let's hope that when I come, I'm not disappointed. Not to, not to say how disappointing it would be for you. And then he continues on, generosity and courage. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work, as it is written. They have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You'll be encouraged in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion as through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ, and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you, because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Okay, that's a lot of Paul there and a lot of words. So let's talk about what he's talking about. So the first part is obvious. God loves a cheerful giver. So he's saying, be a cheerful giver. Be a generous giver. Don't be miserly. And he's encouraging us that if we give generously, we'll also reap generously. And there are different ways that people interpret this. One, for instance, would be a a gospel of glory that God wants to bless you and that if you give, you will get more. And that may be the case, but I don't think it's always the case that we will get more money. You know, sometimes when you give, you give away your money and what you have in exchange for that is greater, but is not more money. I don't want you to think that I'm saying that if you give away, God will make you rich. There are people who preach that, but I don't think it's true. And I think of people who we know as generous givers who sometimes gave away everything. And I, one of the people who comes to mind for me is someone you have heard of, but you may not know, and that would be St. Nicholas. And I'm not talking about Santa Claus, but I'm talking about the historic saint, St. Nicholas of Myrna who Santa Claus is based on. Basically, this is someone who was a leader in the early church, a bishop when he was still a young man, and he was born rich and died poor. 
he gave away his riches and then begged for more and gave those away. It's one of the reasons he was named a saint. He lived a saintly and generous life. And he had riches, I believe, but he didn't have riches in the sense that he had them in the first place. In contrast to, for instance, the rich young ruler who Jesus encounters, who says, you know, I've kept all the law since my birth. You know, I don't, I don't steal, I don't lie, I don't commit murder, all those things. And Jesus, you know, asks him about the six of the Ten Commandments, basically those that don't have to do with stuff. And he says, I've kept them since my birth. But then he has skipped over all those things about coveting, all those things about, you know, the stuff and how the stuff in our life affects us. And he turns to them and he says, you only lack one thing. And the guy had to be really happy at that point. He says, take all that you have and sell it and give it to the poor. And he doesn't tell all of us that, but that was a message that was meant for this rich young ruler. And I think the reason that it was is that guy's relationship with his stuff was a problem. And I don't know if the same was true of Nicholas, but certainly Nicholas didn't have the same relationship with stuff because that young ruler went away sad when he heard this because it wasn't something he could do. Giving was going to be hard for him and giving all was going to be tremendously hard or impossible. And God is trying to create in us a heart that is generous a heart that doesn't say, this is my stuff and I will defend it. And I sometimes see even people in the church, uh, church writ large, defending our stuff as if it's a right, as if it's our stuff rather than stuff that God has given us. And that's not the kind of heart that he is trying to create in us. And to be blunt, What kind of heart he creates in us is more important to God than all that stuff. God cares more about your character than he does about your 401k. Doesn't mean we don't need to plan. It doesn't mean that money is evil. It does mean the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, as we read in the gospel. But it's tricky. Our relationship with money is tricky because there are some people who are blessed with an ability to make money and who become generous givers, and that is great. But we just have to be careful with that relationship with money because it wants all our attention. It wants to be first in our lives. There is demonic power behind money. It doesn't have to be. Money can be a source of blessing to others because it comes from a generous heart. And he says, now he who supplies seeds to the sower and bread to the food will increase your store of seed and enlarge the harvest. He's saying God will take care of you. And I like this thing. The service that you're performing is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people. I mean, that is really what he's asked them is, can you help supply the needs of these people? Not that they would have more than you, but that everybody would have enough. But he's saying it's not just that. It is also the overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. He's saying you're giving to the church in Jerusalem out of thanks to God. When they pass the plate around church, as I give, 
I want to be giving as an expression of my thanks to God for all that he has done, including the stuff that I have. It says, because of the service by which you have proved yourselves. So he says, because you give generously, basically, others will praise God for that obedience that accompanies your confession. So he's saying, you say you were a Christian. Now people have established that you're a Christian. Now they're going to look at how you behave. And if they find that you are miserly, if they find that you are more concerned about your stuff than other people, they will decide that Christians are that way. If they look at you and know you're a Christian and they see that you are generous, that you care more about other people than you do accumulating stuff, that will tell them how your heart is and they will praise God for your faith that they see in action. Got it? Okay. For your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. In their prayers for you, okay, now they're not just thanking God for you. They're praying for you. Their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace that God has given. Remember grace, that God's riches at Christ's expense is how that's sometimes accumulated, but it means the things that we get from God that we don't deserve, the good things that we get from God that we don't deserve, and saying, you recognize that the things you have are a gift from God. You give generously and with a generous heart out of thanks to God, and other people will praise and support you. And they'll praise God because they will see a picture of God who himself is generous, who himself cares more about us, so much so that Christ was willing to go to the cross. They will see a glimpse of that God in what we do. And with that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com or better yet, leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com. And thanks so much for listening. found myself on a ledge three stories high at some condominiums contemplating my life and struggling to understand my purpose have you ever found yourself on the ledge my name is billy yates i'm a caring father mentor and friend in my new podcast billy and the goat i share the life-changing events that shaped who i am today to remind you that no matter how far you've fallen god can help you get up and thrive listen now at lifeaudio.com